0: Hi, this is rachel and peyton with girls gone right welcome to season two of our podcast where we talk about everything from culture and lifestyle to faith and politics we'll be dropping hot takes and spicy content proving that conservative women can be both fun and informed subscribe and follow to see the latest hi this is peyton with girls gone right and i have a special co-host today i have annie temple here with us my other co-host Rachel is out today so we have uh Annie with us and we are going to be interviewing Landon Starbuck. How are you Landon?
1: Hey I'm good it's so good to see you both thanks for having me
0: on. Yeah of course yeah we're really excited to do this uh a little context so I went to a young Republicans meeting in Nashville and I heard Landon speaking and as a person that just like doesn't have children I feel like I just don't hear enough of these things because it's not something that's like particularly always on my feed and things like that so just getting to hear landon speak on what's been going on in school systems and especially tennessee it was really just eye-opening and i think us younger people who don't have children should also be focusing on these issues so lana tell us a little bit about what you've been doing in tennessee
1: Sure. So um, I'm Landon Starbuck. I'm an activist and I also run a nonprofit called Freedom Forever and we combat all forms of child exploitation. So not just child trafficking and child exploitation but the med- medical exploitation of children via the trans ideology as well. Um, so those are the issues we tackle. We're actually the only one that in the state that tackles that issue in particular. Um, and so those are things that we've been you know, actively identifying and combating and fighting and protecting children in our state
2: wow yeah that is such important work (laughs) yeah
0: i think especially like what we've just been seeing recently in the past few months in tennessee it's gotten very intense and we've seen just a lot of controversy so for the people that are not aware what's going on because you know some people just like as not being parents. They don't really truly know what's going on in our education system, let alone too much about what's going on in this type of culture. What have you been seeing these past few months even going on in school systems and with children?
1: right well there's been a long-term agenda to sexualize children and this comes from upper academia with this view of children um being sexual from birth and this comes from dr alfred kinsey and john money the fathers of this gender ideology and modern sexual theories um so this is all rooted in theories um unsubstantiated by science uh and it's trickled down into the classroom into our culture so not only do children uh not only are they exposed to the propaganda in school with gender ideology and um, rendering them more vulnerable to all forms of child exploitation, being told to keep secrets from their parents, uh, reading books that contain blowjob tutorials and all sorts of other sexually explicit high-risk behaviors that they're encouraging children to be exposed to and even uh, partake in in some scenarios, Um, but it's also coming from all of the media that children are exposed to on social media and even companies like Nickelodeon and Disney that are, you know, targeted to children are promoting this ideology. And gender ideology and sexual theory are are one and the same. They come together, Um, they come packaged a little bit differently, but the ideology in sex uh, in a myriad of ways. So you can't separate gender ideology from the sexual Uh, theories and the sexualization of children, and so that's what we try to do is wake up people to um, where this is happening in their communities, um, identifying the behaviors and access points, because if we don't deal with that, that then becomes normalized and accepted in our society, and those things drive the demand for child exploitation even further than what it already is, and we are looking at astronomical rates of child exploitation that we've never seen before, Um, to the tune of 32 million reports to NCMEC, the National for missing and exploited children.
0: Wow, and that is the the tail end of what you said is it, it, like it's really it truly gotten so much worse. Yeah. And I really think, especially in the past few years, just like looking at a lot of things since COVID, we've seen a lot of things spike. Depression has gone up significantly. School shootings went up significantly that year. Domestic I, and child abuse too. Yeah, yeah. Um, divorce rates went up. There yeah. was like I think really a pivot point. And it was going on long before but covid was really just a pivot point for our culture and like so many things changed and it was children being on the internet so much more because they were doing everything from home parents just you know it was a stressful time in our society especially cooping everyone up at home
2: it's it's definitely scary how much it's evolved even i feel like since we were younger like i remember growing up and in like fifth grade they were talking about starting um, sex ed for kids. And my parents were like in an uproar. And now that's tame compared to what they're trying to push. I feel like it's just evolving and getting younger and younger these kids.
1: Right, and there's a the language contamination because I think there's a, a, a faction of people that they hear sex ed and they go, well, we need sex ed, we need to prevent pregnancies and we need to teach them about all these risks. But what they're teaching isn't sex ed, it's pleasure-based sex ed. And they just use whatever clever name, they'll even call it abstinence-only curriculum. So parents go, oh, that sounds great, I'll, I'll definitely opt into that. But then when you unpack it, they're, they're asking kids very uh, sexually explicit conversations. In one um, case that I just posted a video on, they're actually asking them to name a classmate whom they like to engage in anal sex with. So it, 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 we're beyond the grooming phase. This is actively sexualizing children, and it's abusive and harmful. And parents have no idea in some cases that this even, is even happening because they say, well, we need sex ed. And they don't understand. They can't unpack that the terminology, the language contamination is being used to get these ideas and these dangerous ideologies into the classroom and into their their child's psyche
0: yeah i think that that is so difficult because there are just some people and it's not that they don't have the knowledge it's not like they're just not smart but they're just not informed and i think that makes such a big difference especially when sending your children to school it's not like i mean truly the parents are you know, they have a big hand in the responsibility, but a lot of it, they're left so, they're in the dark on these issues because they just, they don't know, they're not all they're not constantly involved in politics. And when you're constantly involved, and this is like something that takes up a lot of your time and you're just staying updated on it, which it's important, but a lot of people just aren't.
2: Yeah, and I think also like for our age group, I think a lot of people take a very hands-off approach because again, they see it as like, I don't have any children right now, it's not my issue. Um, but by the time it is your issue, there's going to be so much damage done and it will take so long to then try and undo it that you really got to be on the forefront now. Like even before you have kids, you have to be fighting against this
1: absolutely and and um, you know like I mentioned before we hopped on here you know we don't have to be parents to care about children you know look at the left they claim at least to care about all the marginalized groups the most vulnerable groups but there is no more marginalized and vulnerable group than children um, children are exploited regularly they're treated as an accessory they have no rights in court uh, if a child is sexually abused before the age of four their testimony isn't even valid or admissible um, in many cases they don't even have enough casas that's uh, court-appointed special advocates for these children. Uh, children are regularly trafficked through the foster care system. So when people want a virtue signal, especially on the left side of things, about caring about these minorities and you know yada yada yada, you know we have an opportunity here to say there's no greater vulnerable you know uh, group of people than children, and this is what they're facing. And we all have a duty, whether there are children or not, to care about their exploitation um, in our society.
0: Yeah, it, it's really interesting that. And any of these movements, especially with the taking kids to drag shows and whatnot, you will see a sign at all of these protests saying, protect the children. And it's so funny because this agenda is complete. It could not be more inaccurate. But yet they speak and they say it's for the children. Like, we have to give them rights. And, you know, they have a right to go to these drag shows and things like this. Like, things where, like, in society, like, seeing these contrasts, it should just automatically signal that something very evil is going on here. However, but because they virtue signal, there's just people that, you know, they believe it and they take that and they trust it. And they're letting these, these, these things happen, like allowing kids at drag shows and not wanting to stand up because they're like, oh, but it's for the children. And that kind of, that message people-
2: It's like a backwards idea of, I'm
0: protecting the children, you're not. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah and people and I... don't want to be
0: on the wrong these
1: days. Yeah and I think that that is a sad reality for everyone across the political spectrum is that it's easier to want to feel like you're doing what's right than to actually do what's right um, because when you do what's right, you are going to be uh, a target of a lot of vitriol, a lot of bigotry, a lot of hate, um, and nobody wants that. It's not fun. You know, I don't enjoy the, the hate mail I get. I don't enjoy um, having to have security in some cases just to go speak or to have conversations with people. I don't like having to think about my safety or my children's safety but this is necessary because if I don't do it and other people don't stand up and do it, no one will do it. And it's more important to me to do what it takes to do what's right than to just virtue signal and, and do what makes me feel good, you know, within a threshold of what's comfortable for me. Um, and so that's, that's a personal choice that I've, I've chosen. Um, but I think that what I try to do is inspire other people to recognize, that if we don't get beyond our feelings about what somebody says about us, and if we don't get beyond that, it won't even matter because this, this uh, movement is coming at such ferocious speed at us. It has infiltrated every institution. It's taken over our country in almost every facet where we will not have a country left. Um, if we continue on this trajectory. So it's it's kind of a be uncomfortable now or be really uncomfortable later when you won't have the ability to use your voice, you won't have the freedom um, without having your social media removed and not being able to trade and do all those things. It's very close, uh, it's not hyperbole to say that, uh, that you won't have access to that freedom of speech any longer. So. Um, I think it's so important for us to be embrace being uncomfortable, embrace the labels uh, that that they're assigning to us, because it shows us that we're right over the target and that we actually are standing for something.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, and I think when you speak up, you know, your like society puts this taboo on you that you're anti-trans and that you're some sort of evil unloving person because you're not accepting who they are and you know that's what it always falls down to the virtue signaling you're not accepting me you're a bigot and you put a target on your back and i've never really thought about this just you know because i like to speak my beliefs and like i think like you said in the long run like this is what's best it's not it's necessary to do this however you do end up putting a target on your back and I think it's never like until like these last few months I never realized how scary it is to have a target on your back especially now with the you know the anti attacking anti-trans and like it's gone really far and I've never just thought about that target how have you has there ever been a moment where you feared that target on your back?
1: yeah i mean there's definitely been moments where i was like wow i underestimated this group of people um i think for a while i was a little naive and it because it's mostly just you know like like chihuahuas with a you know a lot of uh, bark but no bite um but i think recently when i had to be escorted out by the state troopers when i was in a public government you know building giving a you know speech on protecting children uh, giving testimony that I couldn't even do that in the context of having law enforcement present, of having officials present, that that was a, a, a pivotal moment where I realized if they can get away with this behavior here where I have to be escorted out for my safety, uh, this is not headed in a good direction. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't choose to live in fear. I mean, I choose to be smart um, and and when I engage in, in public stuff and things of that nature, but, uh, this is the thing if there are no people willing to go on the front lines, then we will not, we, we have no fight. And so I would encourage people that maybe don't want to take that risk or aren't, aren't able to, you know, and I'm no judgment, I know that there's specific situations where maybe that's not what they're being called to do in that moment. Um, but I would encourage people to support the ones who are who are taking those risks because we need to be encouraged too we need to have support we need if our organization is going to grow and be able to do even more good things to protect kids and to combat this evil we need more support um, and so I think people need to understand that we all have an obligation and a duty to, if we're not going to go on the front lines, to find a way to support those who are. If we're not going to be outspoken voices, you know, on, on social media or wherever we can and, and, and having those uncomfortable co- conversations, we need to support those who are. It's very important um, to encourage the people, but also to have the infrastructure to continue this fight. is It's very essential.
0: Yeah, it definitely
1: is. And an obligation... Parents have a lot of those, right? You're sending your kids off
0: to school. The teachers see your kids more than you do. The government is practically raising these children. And you know we have to have some line and parents need to know what their kids are being taught and what's happening at school. Like, If the government is truly raising your kids and seeing your kid more than you see your kid, you need to know exactly what's going on. So what can parents ask the, the teachers, the schools, to just, I guess, have a better understanding of the curriculum and what's going on there?
1: right well I think that's the first thing I mean you said it asking the school what the curriculum is asking them if they have a family life program which contains um, sex ed baked in what uh, kind of sexual curriculum what kind of gender curriculum if there's anything about race Um, you know parent has a right to have access to that and anybody who's telling you who's spending this amount of time with your child you can't you don't have access you don't have that right you don't get access that should be a red flag for the parent to say, okay, well then you don't get my child. Um, because that's deception. It's, it's, a, it's a red flag on so many different levels that you would drop your kid off to an adult that says, I don't need to tell you what we'll be watching or doing when you're gone. And, and furthermore, I have the right to tell your child to keep a secret from you if, about things we talk about that you might not like. So I think right down, you know, to that point, parents have a choice of whether or not after knowing that to re-engage and put their kids' environments in, into environments like that. I think that there's some uh, schools where the fight is very strong, where there's parents that are organized and they're actively combating it. I think it's worth continuing that fight. But I also think it's important to be realistic that in some schools um, they're completely taken over by this these far-left ideologues and they're, when they aren't able to make progress, it's not worth the risk to the child to keep the child in that environment while you're having that, that you know, battle. Um, because during that time, the child is being indoctrinated. During that time, the child is being exposed to sexually explicit content. During that time, that child is losing their childhood. And I think that parents, you know, we need a parenting revolution to reclaim our rights and bring our children back home if that's what needs to happen.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with the parent revolution and the indoctrination and it's so sad because the indoctrination starts the second you start taking your kids in the second you start taking your kids to school, preschool, uh, daycare, like you have to worry about what is being taught to them and that's when it starts. The second you are not with your kid anymore, you now are just leaving it up to society to raise your child. And it doesn't stop, even at a young age. It goes all the way all the way. Yeah, all the way through college. Like, whoever you are looking up to and whoever you're being taught from, you're taking these messages from. You can be indoctrinated, like, you're at risk for indoctrination.
2: Absolutely. And I think also it's so interesting to me that parents want so many rights of their children, but then when it comes to education, which I would argue is one of the most important rights they can have, they're completely fine without knowing what their child is being taught, with being told that you know, what their children are taught isn't any of their business or, you know, their, what their kids experience while they're at school isn't any of their parents' business. Um, it's kind of, it's just an interesting, like, juxtaposition that they're like, this is our child and we should be able to, if we want to do, you know, a surgery, we should be able to do that, but not care about what they're being taught at all.
1: Right, yeah. especially when those values are diametrically opposed to what we're teaching at home. I talk to so many parents that say, well, yeah, I put my kid in this public school teaching all this stuff, but, but we, we teach them what's right at home. They know what's right. Well, there's a big difference between knowing what's right and what your parents are doing and then seeing your parents who say one thing do another thing and send you into an environment that undermines everything you just taught them. You know, children aren't stupid and they they learn by what they see, by what we model to them. So it really doesn't matter what we teach them if we say, okay, now we're going to school, throw all that out, lie, conform, capitulate to this whole other world so that you can survive and then come back home and we'll pretend that we have these values. You know, it sounds harsh, but that's exactly what is happening in those situations.
2: Yeah,
1: and I think that is so difficult, especially these parents, you know, they have
0: Unfortunately, they have both parents have to work or it's a single parent household and they have to send their kids to school. They don't have a lot of options. So they're forced to send their kids to these public schools where they're being indoctrinated, where maybe these parents are even afraid to ask what's going on, because even if it wasn't the answer that they wanted, there's nothing that they can do about it. Like it's the situation and they feel like they don't have a lot of options here. So this is it, this is what they have to do. And they're like, everyone else is sending their kids here. So, you know, it's fine. what would you advise to these parents that are in this situation where you know they have to send their kids to these schools that are teaching these toxic behaviors
1: right well the first thing i would suggest is opt-out forms Um, some schools are accepting them some are not but it's worth a try it's worth a conversation to actually want to know what's being taught and what you have the right to opt out of Um, i know in the state of tennessee you still have rights to opt out of certain education frameworks. so there's um the a a, uh, model of that on our website freedomforever.us there's a lot of great resources for parents about you know uncovering this ideology scl crt all of it um, through our partners so i would encourage people to go there to really learn more um, on a broader scope but also you know getting involved and making a plan because once you discover that this is headed down a certain trajectory and you, you realize I'm either gonna have to be okay with this and accept it and keep my child in this environment and be quiet and compliant, or I'm gonna have to find another environment, that takes time. Um, but I believe if there's a demand there, if there's enough people, moms calling their church saying, "Hey." we really wanna get out of the public system. Could you put together a one year temporary co-op to help us with this transfer to get our kids out of this environment? I think more churches would step up to you know, help that situation. But we have to have that flood of calls of that desire to opt their children out of that at the public government run education. So I think that there's ways and it just requires making a plan because you might not be able to do it right away. There's like you mentioned, there's specific circumstances, or at or one parent you know, in, in divorce situations that wants them in the school system and one who doesn't. Um, but there's, there's avenues and ways, uh, school choice with no strings attached is something I'm really passionate about, um, would give parents the liberty to decide what is best for their individual child. Um, so, you know, championing those things, this activism for school choice with no strings attached, going to the website, looking at all the resources available to you so you can at least try to get your child opted out of some of the more extreme curriculums, um, but also making that plan.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. I
1: I mean, although I don't have children, I have never heard that option before. And I've ha-
0: I have friends that have children and that's something that they're constantly worried about is you know, we can't afford a private school, I can't stay home, so they have to go to this school and they fear what they're going to learn at school and that's such an interesting option. I feel
2: like as things have gotten worse, there's become more options for parents too and I think parents have felt, kind of backed into a corner for a while about being like, oh, it's private or it's public education, I can't afford private, which is totally understandable. Um, but I think knowing that there are other resources out there and other avenues for you to be able to get your kid out of public school is like the first step um, to essentially saving your kid.
1: Absolutely. And there are co ops available. When people say there's nothing, you know, I'm like, well, how how hard have you looked? How long have you been looking? Because there are um, co ops available where, you know, parents trade out or there's a very small nominal fee for a child to be uh, dropped off into the co op um, for the week. So there are definitely options when people really want to dig in and look and help grow that demand for that parallel education system.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing to even hear that. I agree.
1: How, so
0: people like me and Annie, we don't have children, but we do see that these trends are going on and that it's destroying our culture. How can people like us get involved locally, in whether it, it, it doesn't even have to be, you know, directly involved with schools, but let's say, you know, we, this is like a something that we feel passionate about. It's like fighting what is going on in our education system, how can we get involved? On the
1: ground? <laughs> I think you know, definitely joining organizations like mine, freedomforever.us, um, where we have activism, like real ways of showing up. So if there's a bill um, to eliminate parental rights on, on education or threaten the rights of homeschool families, you know that people show up, there is such power in showing up. I can't tell you how many times I've seen legislation shift based on the number of people that were allowed in the room or, or present. Um, And it it has a very real effect on us as as people when we see, you know, optically we see that there's a bunch of loud people um, supporting this one thing, and then there's like, two or three people that showed up, it it creates this illusion that, oh, there's not that many people upset about this. And there's a lot of people upset, even if it's just one room, um, it influences uh, the decision-making factors in legislation. And so that's why activism is so critical and so important. And and I always say this, like, I'm not suggesting we put on the pink pussy hats and start screaming at people and punching them in the face, like what's happening to so many of... (laughs) you know, the activists on the receiving end of of the left's um, activism, but we can can promote our own activism that is um, informing people, that shows up with kindness and love and integrity and truth. And showing up is the most critical part of that because people will say, oh, I'll come, I'll show up, and then you're actually there, um, like I was in that room, and there was 250 of these LGBTQ plus whatever activists, and there was five of us, five. And luckily, it wasn't enough, you know, to influence that piece of legislation. But th- these are the kind of things. That's the battleground moment. So showing up to, to and being active um, with whatever it is. If we're doing a campaign to create awareness uh, around um, certain issues that impact children in our state, or even on a national level, getting involved in that, um, that is incredibly important in shifting, not just the narrative and education piece, but making people feel more comfortable engaging in these fights to say, hey, we do have pornographic materials in our schools, we need to get it out. Um, And so those those things are just a few of the things, but being involved, showing up is the most important.
0: Yeah, I think that's such an eye opener because you know i have the podcast and i feel like that's such a good outlet to inform people and i'm very outspoken on my beliefs however i could do so much better with where i show up i think attendance is really important especially like you said being you know one of the only few people in a room fighting on these issues when it's like 5 against 250 angry angry leftists it makes a difference and i have not been doing that and i think no, I agree yeah and... I think people underestimate
2: um, how important it is just to go to rallies just to be a warm body standing there because they are strength the numbers especially when you have so many really hateful activists on the other side I think quite literally just being in the room you're aiding your side
0: yeah and I, I think especially a lot of people our age we use social media as that bridge to be our activism like oh I'll share a post on my story or I'll share this with my friends and they use that sort of as an outlet but we fail to show up at these events we like we may say we care but we don't actually care enough to be there
2: yeah we only care enough to repost yeah we, we only have a big problem with our generation yeah
0: is right. not is the attendance like we do um, we need to be there to make these changes happen and I know like a lot of people are like halfway there right there they care about it they're informed And And then they don't know what to do. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, well, I have this information, and I'm mad, and I'm against this, and then that's kind of where it ends. They don't know what else to do with all this information. And I think, like you said, the activism part, putting that somewhere, okay, so you you have a certain stance on an issue. Something's happening. There's a bill being passed. That's where you need to go and support. So it doesn't just end at sharing a post. I agree, especially
2: because when, especially when there's a bill being proposed, they're not looking at the amount of like Instagram reposts they've got <laughs> or the amount of likes and being like, oh, we shouldn't do this anymore. Yeah. Like, they're looking at the people that have showed up in opposition. Um, and especially for people in government, like they care about what their constituents are saying. Um, so I think being there and being present and you know giving talks and stuff like that, giving money, I think donations is a great way to do that, to fund the people who are out there. Um, I think it's just so pivotal to get off of social media and get outside.
1: Absolutely, and, and with the censorship too, you really don't know how many people you're able to impact anymore because they have algorithms where you share something thinking it's going to a bunch of people and then people just aren't going to be seeing it. So the real world matters um, and, and that's, that's why showing up, You know everything you just said, donating, supporting people who are, showing up where you can, um, but it's not just your generation. It's literally every other generation, um, down to the boomers. I mean, they don't recognize the power of protest, the power of the mere exposure effect you know and I always I ask people how many impressions do you think a child growing up in 2023 in our communities get of leftism versus conservatism or just freedom truth you know of of, of you're born in the right body they get virtually none maybe they see an American flag hanging right but that's subjective Um, but they get multiple I mean multiple impressions of leftism a day in school on billboards on people's shirts on flags on pins because the left is proud of their values and so some of the most powerful activism even though it seems small is is wearing our values you know silent advocacy having cards you know we have cards with our organization that we leave with people we we start conversations wherever we go Um, this is really effective um, advocacy work because we are taking it into the real world where these echo chambers have not been, you know, broken down online it's a whole different world but nobody wants to say anything nobody wants to have these uncomfortable conversations but when we have them and people hear us having them and people see us wearing you know our hat or our shirt says no child is born in the wrong body people start saying oh it's acceptable to be okay to be against this because it is wrong something gets activated in them that wouldn't otherwise have been activated that a child wouldn't have seen had you not worn it had you not talked about it and so that is the most impactful in my in my opinion ways I've seen people change their perception on things because they look around like is it okay is it okay that I'm I chime in and say oh I like your hat too or I like your shirt too or I agree it's wrong that they're doing this to children they look around and then suddenly when they use their voice there's something that, a light bulb that goes off or they feel like yes I've done the right thing and it encourages them to continue doing it um, I've seen this over and over and over again just by showing up and doing that and I think there's just like a little bit of pride maybe with some people like, I don't want to be a walking billboard. I'd, I want to wear my cute shirt or whatever. But every time I go grocery shopping, I intentionally wear some kind of statement because I want people to know that there are people that are proud of our values that are not going to hide. And even if it offends people and I get ugly looks, I know that I, I'm providing an impression for children, for people who might not otherwise get any impressions that day of what the truth is of what conservative principles are and and to survive, to help our country survive.
0: Yeah, that is really powerful. And I think the scary part is conservatives are closet proud of their values because they're scared to go out in public and wear these things because you know the left does a very good job at their impressions but theirs is accepted by most of society but when you're a conservative and you wear it out it's very few and far in between i feel like and you are scared of what may like wearing a maga hat out on the streets like what may happen to me and it's scary because we are now being targeted like i'm very proud of my values and you know i usually feel comfortable wearing whatever i want in public and like whatever that shirt may say but recently it's become very like our security has been like you know we have a heightened sense of security because we're wearing these things and we know we're being targeted even more now so than we were a few months ago so it's scary but i do think that there's there's a point there and when i see someone out in public wearing i love it yeah like a trump shirt or something like that i'm like i know that that's my person and then i have a conversation and you connect with people and
2: i think that's really important because then it shows you that everybody that believes in the same thing isn't just behind a screen. Like there are connections, human connections that you can make, you're on the same side. And it allows for really open conversation where you can say like, oh, I'm not alone in this. Um, But if you don't do that, you don't know. And it does, I think, a lot of times feel really isolating. When you're holding these values and nobody else knows.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It makes people feel more isolated and it allows that that algorithm that manipulates us to thinking that we're so few or the silent majority. It keeps us in our place. It keeps us silent and isolated and, and you know, not organized and not come together. And so that's why these little things that they sound like, like oh, that couldn't make that much of a difference. But it actually does. It makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those are just amazing tips. And I know I'm yeah. going to leave this podcast and absolutely. I haven't listened. <laughs> I have a list of things that I want to do and going shopping, (laughs) shopping, finding, you know, wearing your values to start conversations and also just getting more involved because I know that that's an area that I have been lacking. It's so easy to repost on social media or share a link with your friend and do those things. And that's great. Right. But you need to do more. You need to take it a step further. And us being the next generation, we need to lead others into doing the same.
2: I think with people who, yeah. who share the same values that we do to know that together will be far more impactful than if we, you know, just get on our phones and try to be, yeah.
1: Absolutely, there's something really powerful that happens when we come together and, you know, we, all, we know that we have these shared values and we know that what we're fighting for is, is uh, righteous um it encourages us it gives us courage to go back in um, and not and continue fighting despite the threats and you feel more empowered and less fearful and so it's so important to have that that community um, knowing that we're not alone and to keep coming together and supporting each other
0: yeah incredible yeah i'm very inspired landon thank you so much for coming on girls gone right and sharing all of these things i do feel like that is so impactful to have women in a younger age group that might not see this information every day to have that and giving them tools the resources yeah, yeah the tools and resources to be able to make a difference i yeah. hope that it's impactful because it's definitely inspired me yeah, so me too. i am just you know i'm excited to get involved i'm i will make sure to link your website as well so everyone this is Landon Starbuck. I will go ahead and link um, your social media and everything. So go ahead and give her a follow. And I hope that you're leaving this podcast feeling inspired and ready to. Just like we are. Yeah, yeah. Ready to get out there, connect. Wear where your. Wear it loud and proud. Yeah, wear it loud and proud. Connect with people and go make friends and get out there and you know get your boots on the ground because that's what's really going to make a difference. Yeah. Not sharing a post. See you next round. Yeah, we'll see you at the next round. <laughs> Thank you so much, Landon. Thanks for listening to Girls Gone Right.